I, I, to be honest with you, I, I've torn between two, two things I wanted to share this morning, and, and I've been begging and pleading with God all night to clear it up for me. So if you'll be patient with me today, I want to try to talk to you a little bit this morning from the book of Revelations, chapter 5, and I'll read to you through 1 through 9. If you'll turn to that or get that on the screen. I, I think I gave it. Okay, good. <laughs> Wasn't sure what I gave him. This morning and last night, I, I felt so heavy in my heart to talk to someone here this morning that has been wounded, that has been beaten and battered by life. Life has been ugly to you, and there's some scars there. And I want to talk to you this morning, and I want to try in some minor way to help you understand some of the things that you're dealing with. In Revelations chapter 5, verse 1, and it says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to even look into it. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And the last verse, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Lord, this morning, I pray that you would open our minds of understanding, that you would open our hearts this morning. God, let your presence would be invited into the into the hearts of the saints this morning that they would open their self to you lord for a healing and for a touch that that they've been longing for jesus your word is already anointed but i pray that you would anoint my lips of clay this morning in your precious and holy name and everybody say amen you may be seated and they sang a new song saying Thou art worthy to take the book, for thou wast slain, 
I want to preach to you a few minutes today on the subject that only the wounded can heal. Only the wounded, only the scarred, only the bruised, only the people that have been hurt and beaten by life really have the power to heal. In 1928, Thornton Wilder wrote a one-act play about the story of an angel in the Bible who came to trouble the waters. There was this gathering, the Bible says, at the pool where annually an angel would come and stir up the waters and people would run and they would rush in because they believed that at this troubling of the waters, there was some special healing. There was a, a special touch. So Thornton Wilder, in his one-act play, has this grossly, uh, this grossly deformed individual and sick man struggling to make it to the water. The fluttering of the angel's wings had stirred up the waters, but this grossly deformed man struggles with all of his might to get into the water. But others rush in before him, and they move in before him. And in the play, based on the story from the Bible, this man tries to get in the water, but the people in the play don't stop him. The angel stops him. The angel in the play says to this man these words, Stand back. Healing is not for you. For without your wounds, where would your power be? It is, this, it is your remorse, the angel says, that makes your voice low and trembling in the hearts of men. Not the angels themselves in heaven can persuade the wretched, blundering children of the earth as one human being who has been broken on the wheels of life. The angel says, finally, in the service of love, only the wounded need apply. Let me, let me, I, I want to say that one more time. What, what this angel is saying to this man in this play, stand back. Healing is not for you. For without your wounds, where would your power be? It is your remorse, the angel says, that makes your voice low and trembling in the hearts of men. Not the angels themselves. No angel in heaven can persuade the wretched, blundering children of the earth as one human being who has been broken on the wheels of life. The angel said, finally, in this service of love, only the wounded need apply. The church, every, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, it's, it, it really is a, a gathering of troubles. Just about everybody in here today is in some sort of prioritized fog or of their own will. Henry David Thoreau, in his reflections on Walden Pond, says just about all of us live lives of quiet desperation. In every corner of this sanctuary, every pew, there is some sort of trouble. There's burdens, there's worry, there's wounds, there's scars. 
There's bruises that are covered up with with nice hairdos. There's there there's wounds that are covered up with fancy dresses and new suits and new ties and nice shoes and pretty bows. But underneath what we wear is a brokenness and a hurt and a frustration that no salary can really compensate for, that no materialistic good can really compensate for. And when people come to church on a Sunday morning, they don't need just, oh, they don't need just commentary, ancient text. They need somebody to stop the hemorrhaging of their soul. They need somebody to be able to put a tourniquet on the bleeding of their heart. And they need to see somebody who's got some scars to let them know that trouble doesn't last always. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Our ancient ancestors need to straighten out that question mark into an explanation point. There is a balm in Gilead. There is a balm to make the wounded whole. This gathering here today... Us gathering here today is a fraternity and a sorority of hurts. It's a collection of wounds and problems and troubles. You've got to be awfully young to have experienced pain, to not have experienced pain in life. I'm not up here today to try to convince you that life isn't messy because that's a lie. But I am up here today trying to tell somebody through that mess God will see you through. I know you don't believe those words that I just said, but I trust, trust me today. Through that mess, God will see you through. Somehow through your pain, you can struggle up out of what the devil has tried to trap you in. Because if you're God's child, weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. When life gets hard and pain and troubles come, fret not because of evildoers. Don't be envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut off like grass. When I can't take it anymore, I've learned how to wait on the Lord and be of good courage, for the word says he will strengthen my heart. Somebody who's been through it. Somebody who's had some troubles can really come in here today and testify with Paul and say, I have learned how to be content. For Paul said, I am persuaded that neither life. You know, we always read that. We always read that like some victorious scripture just but you know the way i see that is that paul says but i i'm i'm persuaded i'm tired and you know and i don't feel real good but but i am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor present things to come nothing Nothing shall separate me. Nothing, Paul. Nothing shall separate me from the love of my God. I see Paul is saying that as an encouragement to himself. Under all the imprisonment and the chastisement of his soul and his body, 
He had to say to himself, I am persuaded. I am making up my mind today that nothing is going to separate me from my God. Nothing, nothing. I don't care if it's life. I don't care if it's death. I don't care if it's torment. I don't care if it's pain. I don't care if it's my past slapping me in the face every day I wake up. Nothing is going to separate me from my God. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are the called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? What is his purpose in your life? You find the purpose of God and you'll find the power of God. So many times we come in here looking for the power of God, the power to cast out demons, the power to speak in tongues, and, and the power to do great miracles. But if you find the purpose of, for God, of God in your life, you will find the power of God. He always supplies his power to fulfill his purpose in your life. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. For Jeremiah tells us, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a future, to give you hope. But to get there, you've got to struggle through the pain that you're living in. John is in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he's taken to a place where he sees this climactic vision and he sees a book written within and without sealed with seven seals the number of perfection that book symbolizes the authority and the mastery of life that only one can unfold and John says that this book is in the right hand of him who sits on the throne and a strong angel proclaims with a loud voice the hearing in the hearing of every man and and he says who who is worthy who is worthy to open this book and to read thereof john said i i wept i wept much because no man in heaven are on, an, are on earth, underneath the earth, no man in hell, no man in, in anywhere could take the book out of the hand that, of him who sat on the throne. No poet, however lyrical his pentometer, no soldier, no matter how victorious his campaign, no diplomat, no matter how astute his diplomacy, nobody was worthy Nobody was worthy to take the book. Ladies and gentlemen, in this veil of tears, in this life of sorrows, you and I had live in between two parentheses of two, ha of, of, of two hazards. The first one is birth, which is traumatic. And the last one is death, which is also traumatic. And in between birth and death, we struggle with the two. John said, I wish I would have never been born. 
That's what Job said. I need somebody here to be honest enough with me today to admit that there have been days where you've just struggled staying here because life just got so hard. Some of us don't even want to go back and visit those memories because it was so hard. And there's many of them in here today. I'm not talking about you just had a headache and you weren't feeling good. No, I'm talking about life that's deeper than that. Because when you live life deeply, you hurt deeply. When you love deeply, you get hurt. You get hurt deeply. If you care about somebody or something deeply, you can get insulted deeply because you live life deeply for God. It will take you places that you don't always really want to go. I'm not talking to, to the little timid Christian here today that, who believes that a miracle a day keeps the devil away. I, I, I'm talking to somebody that's really had to live life for what it is. And all you need is faith in God and, you, and to read your Bible and to pay your tithes. I'm not talking to that person that just comes to church on Sunday because they know it's what they're supposed to do. You show up with a plastic grin on your face and everything's going to be fine. But those of us who know life is gritty, those of us who know life is dirty, those of us who love people that lie on us, those of us who trust people who have betrayed us, those of us who loved our children only to have them never turn around and say thank you. Those of us who spend ourselves trying to help somebody and when you're in trouble, nobody even calls you. Nobody even sends a text to you. Can I get some help here? Can I get an amen to somebody that can relate to something like that? Life is hard. Sometimes all of hell breaks loose. Sometimes days are full of bright sunshine. But oftentimes you find yourself crying in the midnight hour. Life is dirty. Life is tough. Church, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. We can come in here and we can play church every Sunday. And we can play like we got it all together. But there's people that are dying. There's people that are hurting. They're struggling in their soul just to put one foot in front of the next. I'm thankful for what I have. God has blessed me richly beyond measure. But I've got to do more. I've got to be in touch with reality. I've got to be in touch with, with what's really outside of these walls here i've got to know that jesus has called me and given me the wounds in my life for more than just me sitting around complaining about what has happened who who is worthy i checked with my doctor but after a while I hate to tell some of you this. After a while, they're not going to be able to really do you any good. I've got some good friends who love me and they care for me, but they can only walk with me so far. 
my heart is still heavy. Last night I was thinking about it because my grandmothers who who I know loved me, who I know prayed for me, sleeps the long sleep of death. Oh, if I could just hear their voice one more time. But Mima and Granny are in the cemetery today. But there is somebody. There is one. There is one who is worthy to open the book and to know me and to love me. John said, I wept because there was nobody that could take the book thereof. But then the elder said, behold, looking under, look, look over there. Here he comes. There he is, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root from the house of David, the stone hewed out of a mountain, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the rose of Sharon, the lamb for sinners slain, the foundation of the world coming through the centuries, through the generations, through all of the troubles, through all of the miseries, through the bruises, through all of the pain, to take the book and to read thereof. How, let me ask you this, how did the elder identify him? How, how did they know? How did they know that he was the one? What marks of identification Gave him the power to take the book and to heal. What was it about him that singled him out to have the power to heal? Because you see, only the wounded can heal. What are his marks of identification? What distinguishes him as the one worthy as the one worthy to open the book. I'm glad you asked. Because I'm going to tell you. He's scarred. In his hands. In his feet. In the brow of his forehead. There are marks of identification that says he has been scarred. So the scars that he has, has given him the power. Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get this, the message I'm trying to get across to you today is that the only way that you can talk to me about trouble, the only way you can comfort me in my afflictions, the only way you can really help me in my bruises the only way you can comfort my soul in trouble, the only way you can really put your arms around me when my tears are falling is if you've had some trouble yourself. If you have some scars in your life that say, you know what, I've been there. I know what you're dealing with. Is there anybody here that's ever been bruised and somebody who went through the same thing you went through came alongside of you and said, hey, I I know what you're going through. I, I I I know what you're dealing with. 
it's that it, it, it's kind of dishonest if you if you try to cheer me up and you haven't come through any troubles yourself that you nobody's ever repossessed your car and you could always pay your rent and you could always put food on your table you've always had more than you could use you've never had drug problems here I'm struggling with life and death situations and you're telling me if you need me if you need me just call no no I need somebody who's been down to their last dime I need somebody who's been lied on and talked about and criticized and made to feel worse than you really were. I need somebody who's been in my shoes to tell me that there's a way out. Ladies and gentlemen, he is worthy. The Bible said he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He is worthy because he was wounded. Did you hear what I said? He's worthy because he was wounded. Where are your wounds this morning? Where are your scars this morning? Stop covering up your pain and acting like you've got life all together. When you come to church, that should be the time to expose yourself. There's nothing more encouraging to me to see when I'm down in the pits and I'm down in the mully grubs to see somebody that I know had a drug addiction worshiping God in full spirit and truth. It's more, it's encouraging to my soul when I see somebody that they had, that they loved so much and they were taken from them, but yet they're up here worshiping and praising and living God and living for God and living their life. That's the person that can talk to me. We work so hard to cover up our scars and to cover up our wounds. And it's those very scars and wounds that give you the ability to truly help somebody in their death in life situation. He is worthy. When you come to church, that's the time to let your hair down. That's the time to stop being phony and false and acting like you've got life all together. When I come to church in this place, I worship and I shout and I sing, not because I have it all together, but I come because I need some help. I need somebody to stand up alongside of me and tell me, Jay, it's going to be okay. You can make it. You can stand, son. Let me close. Have you ever come to worship and you just really didn't feel like it? You were shaking your hands and you were speaking, but your mind was a thousand miles away. There's some of you here just like that this morning. You had your Bible open, but you really weren't reading anything. You really weren't following along. You were praying, but the words were just coming out. But there was really no, there was no connection there. Because troubles and burdens and pain have a way of hitting you when you don't expect them to. Troubles and pains have a way of 
showing back up unexpectedly right when you conquer something and then something else blindsides you. And when you get punched and you're not expecting it, 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 it'll take the wind out of you. But we need to come into this place this morning. We need to, we need to begin to worship. We need to, we need to worship. I'm telling you what, you need to come into this place and you need to walk like you ain't broke. You need to you need to worship like 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 nothing else matters. Like nobody there is a song. What's that song, brother Joey, where it says, "I want to dance like nobody's watching. I want to sing like nobody's listening. I, I want I want to I want to come into this place because He is worthy. He is worthy. <laughs> Hallelujah." I'm coming to a close. If you could stand with me. This morning, you know, I, I, I'm 39 years old and I've been in this all of my life. I haven't lived it fully all of my life. But I've been around long enough to see to see the pain and the hurt that people just continually carry with them. The pain and the hurt that people just, they carry it around like a backpack everywhere they go. And yet they sit up here in the altar and they say, Oh God, I want to be used Oh, Jesus, please help me. I, I, want, I want to know you more. I, I want to know, I want to, I want to help somebody. And, but then they go right into that, praying, God, I'm, but I'm so wounded. I'm so scarred. I'm so hurt. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, maybe... Somebody needs to see you worship through that pain. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, maybe you went through that situation for a reason. Maybe you have that scar on your life because there's one person. It might, it might be one, it might be a hundred, I don't know. But one person, the Bible says that angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner repenting. We have visitors here this morning. We have people that know each other's situations, that know the heartache and the pain that you're living in right now. What would it mean if you laid that pain aside for just a brief moment and you lifted up your hands and said, God... Help me to be a light into the dark world of somebody that's looking for you. Help me to be a light. Help them to look upon my scars. You know what, Lord? I want them to come up and I want them to, I want them to see my scars. I want them to know that they're real. And then I want them to see me worship you.
And I want them to know that all they have to do is lift their hands and begin to call on you. And then the same way that you touch me, Jesus, you will touch them. He's wounded because he went to Calvary for us. He's wounded because he loved us. He died for us. Shame on us for letting Calvary become just an Easter thing. Where would your power be if it was not for your wounds? But you know what? Many of us can't get past our wounds. So we live this facade. We, we come to church because we're scared of what really might happen if we let go fully. We're, we're scared of what, what really might happen if, 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 we don't, if we don't truly let go. But you know what David said in Psalms 19? He says, God, he says, in, in Psalms 19, he says, keep me from the great transgression. He talks about sins. He, he talks about uh, there's errors. You, you can go. You can have an error in life. You made a mistake. Yeah, that happens. Secret faults, things that you hide from others. And then he goes into presumptuous sins. And then he says he even goes into dominion. When something has dominion over your soul, what what sin? What could be worse than d- demonic dominion? What could be worse than dominion over your soul? What is David talking about a great transgression? What in the world is he saying? You see, David saw the life of another man played out. And that other man was Saul. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15... Saul says, the Lord says, thus saith the Lord of hosts. I remember that which Amalek did in Israel, how he laid wait on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both men and women, infants and suckling ox, sheep, camel, and everything else. You destroy it. But if you come on down, the Lord began to talk to his prophet Samuel. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yes, Lord, I obeyed the voice of, of the Lord. I have gone in that way which the Lord sent me and I've brought and I've killed everything and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil and the sheep. And then in verse 24 he says, And Saul said unto Samuel, just a few verses later, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words. What is the great transgression? Let me tell you what the great transgression And you know what? Theologians and everything will argue the point with me. I don't care because you know what? I believe in this for myself. And this is what the Word of God says. The great transgression that David said is more powerful than the dominion of spirits is when you say to the Lord, I'm going to live this and I'm going to be this, but you go outside these walls and you live and you're something else. Hypocrisy. You go outside and you say, now I'm just going to, I did my church time. Where are your wounds this morning?
Somebody needs to see you worship God. It's very, let me tell you, there's some of you right now that you're just honoring. You're like, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I've tried so many times. I, I've tried so many times. And always somebody hurts me. Somebody says something stupid. Somebody does something wrong. Today's your day. Today is your day. Right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't care if you're sitting with your husband, your wife, your friend. You need to evaluate yourself with the Lord. You need to you need to look deep inside your soul because you know what? The person next to you, I don't care how much you love them, will have no factor in you getting into heaven or not. It's between you and the one who was worthy to take the book. If he was worthy to take the book, he also holds the key to the book of life. And it's between you and him this morning. Come on. Let's change some things this morning. Let's get in tune with God like we've we haven't felt in a long time. Why don't you do that this morning? Why don't you make up your mind this morning that I'm going to change some things? Come on, let's begin to pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. This morning, Lord, let your sweet anointing saturate those that are hurting deep in their soul, those that are hurting deep in their mind, God. This morning, Jesus.